listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! Welcome to the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. I hope you've got your party clothes on because it's going to be a dog party today. But before we get our doggy guest on, and I will tell you who that is, it's Professor Stanley Corin. There should be a drum roll with that. He wrote The Intelligence of Dogs and many, many other dog books, and many of them were bestsellers, including The Intelligence of Dogs. He's done the whole Oprah Good Morning America circuit a few times around, and I had the pleasure of touring with him several times here in Canada, doing live dog shows, so we know each other well. Uh, We chat really easily, and I also had the pleasure of accidentally flying with him on a plane from Vancouver to, I think it was Dallas, a few months back. So we got in about four hours of dog chat, just by the luck of the draw, we ended up sitting beside each other, and that's when we booked this show. So I'm excited to have him on. We're going to be talking about The Intelligence of Dogs, which is one of my favorite dog books of all time. I think anyone who is fascinated by dogs ought to have this on their shelf. And we're going to go through it a little bit. We're going to talk about, well, how smart is your dog? How dumb is your dog? Does it mean anything? How do they learn? How does it help you understand your dog better? Do dogs really think Are they conscious the same way we are? Do they have memory like we do? Do they communicate like we do? Do they feel guilt? Do they feel grudges? Which he says they do. How about loyalty and jealousy, joy and sorrow? But also just, is it really, I mean, if someone said to you, wow, you are such a standard poodle, is that a compliment? And if they said to you, oh my God, you are such a chow, you're just so Afghan. Okay, is that a compliment? (laughs) Well, we'll find out when he comes on. But before we get to him, I'm going to give you the news, and I'm going to give you some information, safety information about cougars and mountain lions that anyone out here needs to know. Anyone living anywhere from the Yukon to Mexico on the Pacific coast needs to know this right now. A little girl was attacked, went to the hospital yesterday. So I'm going to talk to you about that. A rabies update about China. Some news about pit bulls. And if I can get to it, Goat Canucks Goat and some orangutan news. I'm going to do it as fast as I can so we can get Stan Corrin on talking to you. The professor will be in the house talking to you about dogs. But before we start the party, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to the sponsors. They brought the hors d'oeuvres, they got the drinks mixed, they decorated the place. So let's listen to them and hear what they have to say. Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. 
So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Welcome back to Animal Party. We're going to have Stanley Corrin on today. Professor Stanley Corrin talking about the intelligence of dogs. But before we get to that, let's talk about Goat Canucks Goat. Now, I'm not normally a hockey fan, and you would not normally hear me talking about hockey on a radio show. But the thing is, somebody here had a brilliant idea. Someone here in Vancouver decided that every time the Canucks won a game, they would set up a website so that people who wanted to could register and donate a goat. So if the Canucks win, you donate a goat. It costs 50 bucks. You donate a goat. It goes to Kenya or someplace like that where there's families who are starving. And they ended up, it's unbelievable, one goat per win. They ended up with 70 countries are now registered as with people donating goats. They have, it was last count was 17,000 goats so far. Can you imagine how that would transform a country? The goats are going to Kenya and Uganda. And what happens is they produce milk right away, babies that the people can sell, and meat eventually. So the animals are, and if you don't know about goats, goats have babies once a year here in Canada, probably twice a year in other climates. They most often have twins. Their survival rate is huge if they're kept by humans. And they live long, and they have long reproductive cycles. So you can go from a position of having three goats, like I do right now. Two of them are pregnant. One of them's a male. I will soon have seven, no doubt. I might even have nine, because sometimes they throw three. And then next year, I go from three, okay, this year, to seven next year. Well, you can imagine, if all six of the girls have two babies... My herd is huge. And so that's the kind of resource they've given these people. That old saying, you know, don't give them a fish, teach them to fish. This guy was really thinking, goat connects goat. So he's talking about setting it up for the Olympics so that when Canada wins games at the Olympics, which of course we will, 
And that is hockey I'm interested in. When the Olympics come and Canada starts winning games, there will be goats going to poor countries. And the funny thing is seeing these poor farmers in Africa with their little Canucks flags. <laughs> They've all become Canucks supporters. So one way that hockey actually is making a difference. So I think that's great. So if you if you want to get behind that, maybe you can do it for your own teams. It'd be so good to, to be helping the world with our with our enthusiasm for sports for a change. Okay, so cougars. Cougars have been in the news. I have to talk about them because a three year old girl was sent to the hospital. Her mom jumped in the middle beat off the cougar, grabbed the girl, and ran down the hill. And that's the reason the girl is alive and well and only received a few stitches. But the cougar, the two of them were just picking berries in a park. Very normal thing to do this time of year in British Columbia. Completely normal, healthy, lovely thing to do. And they got attacked. Uh, There have been, I think it's 330 attacks this year where normally there is only one or two. And people are not sure why. There are population ebbs and flows that are connected. For example, when the deer population is very big, the cougar population grows. And then if something hurts the deer, or if it, then the cougar population might be too big for its food supply, and then it might need to shrink. Or if something takes the deer, they are sometimes forced to prey on humans. But this one that attacked the girl is not believed to be sickly or underweight like they usually are when they attack humans. And there have also been a few dog attacks lately. I'm kind of making it sound less serious than it is. It's, it's um, If you're... You've really got to be careful. And keeping your pet on a leash is not enough. One woman had her dog stolen from her while it was on the leash. The cougar carried it up the tree and ate it while she watched. Horrible, horrible. But these these animals, I mean, they're supposed to be living there. The officials are saying it has nothing to do with the Olympics and all the building. But um, but there's been masses and masses of construction and huge amounts of displacement of the animal populations. And so I think if you're living anywhere along a wildlife area that's being changed, You have to be ultra, ultra careful and do not let any children, six or under, anywhere out of your immediate three, four feet. And I would suggest you go in large groups. Um, They say if you do see a cougar, back away. Do not run. They do have a strong instinct to follow you. So if you run away from it, or in this case, the lady did grab her daughter and run, but she was lucky because cougars attack in bursts. And once they've used up that first burst of energy, they need to rest before they can do it again. So she was lucky that she got in the way and ran away at the time. But normally what you want to do is make yourself loud and noisy, grab sticks, grab rocks, anything to make yourself bigger, get super loud and, and try and be as threatening as you can as you back away. And, you know, for now, when you go berry picking, go in groups. There's so many people berry picking, just clump together. You know, meet at the entrances and things like that because it's it's easy to do. So I'm really glad this girl is safe, and I hope everybody will be really careful with their pets. We've had two attacks this week, one on a three-year-old and one on a little girl, and I don't want to see any more. I'd like to see the coyotes eating the, the deer and the things they're supposed to be eating, not eating people. So we've got to be extra, extra careful. Uh, sometimes it seems like our forests are tame and safe, but really they're full of wildlife, which is a great thing. But we must, must be careful. Okay. So in China, they're fighting rabies. And they had to kill 36,000 stray and pet dogs in a bid to wipe it out. And there's a new bill right now about to be passed in China recognizing animal rights that would make a cull like this illegal. But rabies has already killed 12 people in the city of Shanxi. And uh, 6,000 people have been bitten or scratched since last May. So they have a terrible stray dog problem, clearly, and a neuter and spay problem and all kinds of problems there that I'm sure they're going to have to sort out. 
But it just gives you an idea of what can happen when we all jump on the bandwagon and we stop doing vaccinations. Because in those countries, of course, like Angola, um, where $50 is what it costs to vaccinate a pet, $50 when your children are starving is just impossible. But I'm just saying that here we do have choices. And oftentimes now we're choosing not to vaccinate. And I, too, am troubled by this whole dilemma to vaccinate. Are my pets over-vaccinated? Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Well, the rabies is a no-brainer for me. I have no conflict about that because the results, Montreal was plagued with rabies last year. It's not just in the third world. We have to keep our communities safe from rabies. So, and it doesn't, even if you think your dog doesn't meet with other dogs, your dog can pick it up from a dead crow it finds that you don't even see, or a dead frog, or a piece of a dead frog. I mean, you really won't see where he got it from. So we've got to be extra careful with some of these things. Okay, I was going to talk to you about pit bulls in the news because once again, this time the Supreme Court of Canada refused an appeal to a province-wide ban on pit bulls from the province of Ontario. And I want to mention it briefly only because when Stanley Corrin's on, I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to ask him mostly about his book and which dogs are smart and which dogs are dumb and how you can test your own dog. But I'm also going to put some tough questions to him, some opinion questions and see where he stands on some of the hotter issues of the day. So uh, now we're going to go to the water bowl and just come on over, come join the party, grab a glass of water, get one for your dog. And I'll just say, I'll ask you this. This came in the news and I was thinking about dumb dogs and smart dogs, so I thought I'd bring it up. A dog out on a walk happened upon a live U.S. grenade from the Second World War and eagerly delivered it to his master, police said yesterday. Now, the 40-year-old woman walking the dog was lucky in, in, uh, in Western Germany. And, um, you know, she went to the police and, and uh, he trotted back with this thing in its mouth. And everybody, they disarmed it and everybody was okay. Is that dog dumb or smart? <laughs> That's what I want to know. A dog who brings back a live grenade. Okay, and here's my riddle of the day. Before we bring Stanley Cord on, I'll just give you the riddle of the day. What must you know before you teach a dog tricks? You must know more than the dog. And that's all. So that'll come into play when we talk about border collies when we get Stan on. And I want to ask you, since he's going to be going through some of the breeds and some of the things they're good at and some of the things they aren't good at, I'll just ask you, who do you think, which breed, what kind of dog was the Victorian, in the Victorian times, was the record holder for most rats killed in a half an hour. What kind of dog? And uh, start thinking about how many rats do you think he might be, have been able to kill in a half an hour and how many rats in his life, in her life, I should say. Do you think she killed 10 rats in half an hour? 20? 50? 100? What do you think? Okay, well, I'll tell you at the end of the show. All right. Well, this has been a great show so far, and I don't want to interrupt, but I must go change the tunes. So we're going to have to take a little break and hear from our sponsors. These are the people that make this show possible. So give a listen. Have a listen to them. And in no time at all, you can come back to the party. Join me. Join me in some party games. party before it's over because the best is yet to come only losers leave the party early anyway party on back in a few give your dog some thought 
with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Welcome back to the Animal Party. We're here with Stanley Corrin, author of The Intelligence of Dogs, among others. Best-selling author, professor, Dr. Stanley Corrin, joins us today to talk about dogs, the real inside of the dog brain, the dog mind, how they compare with each other. What kind of dog have you got? Is your dog smart? Is your dog dumb? Welcome to the show, Stan. I'm glad to be here. I've had you on some of my other shows, and it's just delightful to talk with you because you just you're you've gone inside the dog mind like nobody else. So if someone says, "Oh, you're such a border collie," or "Oh my God, I just had an Afghan moment," what are they talking about? Well, they're actually talking <laughs> about uh, the intelligence of dogs. A number of years ago, um, we did a uh, study in which uh, we tried to rank all of the dog breeds. Uh, 
on the basis of their intelligence. <coughs> Pardon. Now you have to understand that there are really three types of dog intelligence. Uh, the first is what we call instinctive intelligence, and that's what the dog was bred to do. So, you know, herding dogs herd, and retrievers retrieve, and and you know, you it's you really can't compare them. I mean, is 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 herding more intelligent than guarding or retrieving or whatever else? Uh, the second type of intelligence is what we call adaptive intelligence, and adaptive intelligence is. Um, is simply how the individual responds to his world, how he learns, and that sort of thing. And so um, that can vary a lot within a breed. So, you know, we can say that people are smarter than cows, but I'm sure there's some people where you, you have your doubts. Towels? Um, Did you say towels? Cows. Like bath towels? Oh, okay. No, no, like moo. <laughs> oh, cows. Okay. Pardon me. You just made me laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some people aren't uh, smarter than bath towels, but okay. <laughs> yes, yes, well, I mean, there are some people where I have my doubts. I mean, I often sit in committee meetings with them. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? We should tell our audience that um, that your position at UBC is not in the animal field. So maybe people don't know that because I, I kind of gave a little bio about you, but not probably enough. Well, uh, actually, so maybe... I'm, actually, I'm dual trained. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trained in both um, animal and human psychology. Uh, but I'm best known for uh, the work which I did, uh, which I've done in human psychology in, uh, amongst psychologists. But my real interest is in the human-animal bond. So you have to understand what's on both ends of the leashes. <laughs> you know, uh, when you say dual people. train to someone like me, I think, oh, Western and English saddle. It doesn't quite <laughs> <laughs> same way. Right. And okay, so you're at, at ten feet, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're <laughs> you're a professor at UBC in the Department of Psychology, dealing with human with, psychology. But that's you've right. but, but you studied. But I was also trained. Yeah. Yeah, I was also trained as a, as an animal psychologist. So, okay. you know, I have both forms of training. Okay, uh, so we've done the two types, adaptive, instinctive, and the third? And the third type um, is what we call working in obedience intelligence, and it's sort of the equivalent of school learning. And yeah, that's um, the key one. That's the one you're looking for for your average pet, right? That's right. That's the one which people really care about. They care about, you know, what the dogs will learn to do for us. Right. And in order to measure that, uh, I actually went out and contacted every every single dog obedience judge in North America. And we got uh, complete responses from 209 of them. That's half of all the dog obedience judges in uh, the U.S. and Canada combined. And this is a very special group because this is the only group we have who, you know, is paid on a regular basis to sit and or to stand and assess um, the you know, the, the performance, the obedience performance mm. of dogs. So it's, it's effectively, you know, uh, they're the SAT, they're giving the SATs. <laughs> okay. Um, right. And uh, I had them rank the various breeds. And we got a ranking of 133 breeds. And the very top dog um, in that is the Border Collie. Uh, and the caboose is the uh, Afghan hound. Now, there are a couple of things which you should note over here. I mean, the, the top breeds, um, top seven breeds are the Border Collie, uh, the Poodle, the uh, German Shepherd, the Golden Retriever, uh, the Doberman, the Little Shetland Sheepdog, and the Lab, sort of in that order. Um, but um, as I said, you know, the... the um, the Afghan hound is at the is at the bottom, but I I am not suggesting that everybody run out and shoot their Afghan hound you and know, buy a border collie to go mad in your living room and destroy your right. home because it has no sheep. 
know, like a brilliant dog is not the best pet at all. Yeah, well, that, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, border collies are very active and they have to be worked every day. And if 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 you don't, you know, challenge them intellectually, they become neurotic and they're smart enough to make you neurotic too. Absolutely. I mean, you know what? That was my riddle of the day. My riddle of the day that you didn't catch it was before you came on there was, what must you know before you teach a dog tricks? And the answer mm-hmm. is, you must know more than the dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, the, the thing which people forget is that if you have a very clever dog, then, you know, not only will they learn everything you want, but they'll learn what they can get away with. And, it, and, mm-hmm. and you really have to fit the dogs to your lifestyle. Like the third dog from the bottom is the uh, is the bulldog, right? Suppose you've got so a So you're saying in the dumbest dog list, number yeah, three. It, it, yeah, that's, number that's right. T- dumbest dog, number three is the bulldog, which okay, is very but, popular right now. French bulldogs. That's right. And, and, I'll t- and I'll tell you why they're popular and they should be, Okay. <laughs> The reason is, you suppose you've got a lifestyle where you're, you know, you're working and you're out of your um, your home. For, he doesn't know, notice. He just doesn't notice. He's so yeah, dumb. That well, that's the thing. You know, the <laughs> if, if you've got a Doberman, let's say he's number five, right? He's going to yeah. get bored. Okay. And he knows the time. He knows if you're five minutes late. That's he's right, so but he's, gonna, he's also going to amuse himself by tearing up your sofa and wiping out your, yeah. your Ming yeah. Vaz collection, right? Yeah. You know? And Absolutely. whereas the, the bulldog's going to take eight hours to figure out that you're gone. And, oh, I know. And, and when you get there, there's this very sweet you know, thing you know, greeting you, and, uh, and, your, and your furniture and your pottery are all intact. And, you know, I mean, you have to sit well, there's something. Lifestyle. You know what? When you just said that, because we'll, we'll go into exercise a little bit, because I think that's crucial. But when you just said that, when you get home, he's happy to see you. Okay. Now, in your book, I caught words like um, grudge and uh, guilt and words that people normally get attacked for using in, in context of animal thinking and animal feeling and animal behavior. Even the, the term animal feeling, animal thinking, animal behavior, you know, these types of words are loaded. But when you talk about that, so I notice a difference. Like what you say, the bulldog is so dumb that even if you are too late, even if you ought to feel guilty and he ought to be mad at you, he won't be. But the Doberman, the Border Collie, is so sensitive, so aware, and they will, I believe, they will put these emotions on you. You will feel guilt. You will get the grudge. You will get the, <laughs> the cold shoulder when you come back from your trip because they're mad at you. Don't you think? Or am I well, just... Well, you, you have to remember that part of that also has to do with their breeding. And uh, the bulldog, we forget now because, you know, we still have this notion that they're out over there biting the noses of bulls. Uh, but they're not, okay? Uh, for, you know, 150 years, they have been bred to be companion dogs. And they're just, I mean... They're just about as sucky-faced um, uh, companion dogs as as the Pomeranian. You know, it it it's it. You know, they had been bred to sort of be empathic and and to respond to us. Whereas, if you've got working dogs, you know, you've got dogs which 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 have a job and which need to do things. I mean, they can get emotionally quite distraught um, by um, you know what they feel are what you what you're referring to as slights or that sort of thing. And by the way, this is not. You know, we get the, we get the notion sometimes. I mean, when I'm when I'm giving talks or workshops or that sort of thing, people say, "Yeah, but you know, giving dogs emotions, ascribing dogs emotions, is you know all part of our touchy feely society today." Well, that's not true. The second book, the second major book which God Darwin wrote was in 1832, and it was called "The Emotions in Animals and Men." 
And they beat up on Darwin for saying that, you know, animals have emotions. But the fact of the matter is that he recognized already back at that time that dogs mm-hmm. do have, you know, sort of the basic kinds of emotions. Now, it's important to note that it's the basic kinds of emotions. So if you want the key to understanding a dog's mind, the average dog is equivalent to about a human two-year-old. And the super dogs, those are the ones in the top 20% uh, in terms of their overall uh, intelligence uh, are equivalent to about a human two-and-a-half-year-old. So that means to say, you think back at, a two, at two two-and-a-half-year-old, and I know that you have gone through this in your life, <laughs> um, um, uh, you know, you, they have all the basic emotions. You know, they have uh, yes, fear and, they and do, anger. Yes, and grief but, and, and right, all But they things. don't have guilt. You see, that's something which you learn when you're three and a half or four years of age. And by the way, I I teach at the university, and I know a whole bunch of 18-year-olds who haven't learned it yet. No Uh, guilt there? Uh No guilt there. and um, so it's a learned emotion, and, and, and they're not going to have that, okay? And, uh, and the smarter dogs will have jealousy, but, you know, the, the sort of more average dogs won't. Um, so, you know, that, that's part of the trick in understanding what's going on with these dogs. I've got an interesting quote here from your book on page 173 where you quote a bunch of people on some of this, and I'm just going to read it out for people because it's so funny. It says, Peter Jennings' comment on the Malamute, their brain is like a piece of river rock. Veterinarian Michael Fox's comment on Irish setters, they're so dumb that they get lost on the end of their leash. Writer Donald McKegg's border collies are very bright, quick, and more than a little weird. Uh, I think that's true. Um, and then it goes on, I'll skip a little bit, and it goes on that a Doberman trainer and breeder, all Dobermans should be named Einstein. Well, perhaps that's too lavish praise. They're a bit weak on mathematics, but they certainly could earn a PhD in any other subject. <laughs> uh, and then, um, oh, there's just, so it's interesting to see how people have extreme reactions to the dogs and their intelligence. But even with, like you said, the, the range between the dumbest Afghan and the smartest border collie is still not that great. They're still two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. They're still all able to come, sit, stay, heal, right, be nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, all dogs are capable of learning what we want dogs to learn. It's just that uh, some of the dogs will learn it very, very fast. So, you know, mm. if, if you're dealing with, with one of the top dogs, uh, let's say you're dealing with a golden retriever or something like that, you know, sometimes after two or three repetitions, the dog has a clue, and after ten repetitions, I mean, they're absolutely, you know, perfect. Whereas, you know, you're dealing with the same sort of thing, uh, let's say, with a boxer who's sort of in the middle of the pack. I mean, they're, they're sort of average dogs. It's going to take them three times as long. Um, and one of the reasons why I felt it was important to give this kind of ranking is I didn't want, you know, the boxer lady to look at the at the golden retriever lady and say, I've got the dumbest dog in the universe. Well, yeah. you, don't. you just got a breed yeah. which is going to take more work. I mean, he'll do it eventually. Um, and, um, but, but and memory, too, affects, right? Because some of these breeds, you, you learn it today, you can practice it tomorrow, and they'll remember after one go. But some of them, oh, my gosh, you have to remind them and remind them and remind them. And, you know, each and every time you bring out the same trick, it's like they never saw it before. So memory yeah, I, is a factor, yeah, too, isn't it? Yeah, the memory is a factor, but also their personality. I mean, you know, I, I still, you know, a very famous dog breeder was... Uh, on a magazine type um, uh, dog show with me, uh, the magazine type show in uh, California. 
And, you know, they brought a couple of people in. Uh, he had this regular feature in which he dealt with, you know, dog problems. And this woman had this little West Highland white terrier, and he looked at her and he say, said, I'm sorry, ma'am, you really can't do a lot with terriers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know? and, and there he was referring to, to sort of the personality of the dogs. And, and the bottom line is, by the way, you can do a lot with them. It's just, you know, you have to, you know, you have to treat them in a way which is appropriate to their breed. I mean, I know a woman. Well, yeah, and when you say that about the boxer and the golden retriever, I mean, I'm thinking that in certain exercises – the boxer actually wouldn't take longer to learn than the golden because if it's a silly thing you're trying to teach it, the boxer is so tuned in and so willing to learn whatever thing is making people laugh and part of the game that actually they'll learn it quicker. Whereas the golden, when he hears laughter, sometimes I find dogs don't like to be laughed at, but boxers yeah, well, do. <laughs> well, yeah, so. boxers do have, have a sense of play. Actually, that's, that got them in trouble. They were originally being bred to be um, you know, service dogs. And, the, in fact, they were the first breed chosen by the Berlin police force way back in they the They don't even 18th. have a mouth, though. They can't even bite. Like, it, their mush mouth is... Well, they, they eventually abandoned them because they were just simply too playful and friendly. It was too <laughs> difficult to get them to, be, you know, to do that sort of hard work. And they were eventually replaced by the, by the uh, German Shepherd, who has, has a more serious point of view. And is more nervous, more high-strung, more worried, more concerned about what might be happening and who might be here. And you know, even the most relaxed German Shepherd that I've met is more aware of security issues and more, in the back of his mind, more observant of these types of things than b- boxers. Now, a boxer yep. can easily protect your house, but he's looking, when he hears the noise at the gate, he's hoping it's you. He's hoping it's someone he knows. He's, he's looking on the, he's got the glass half full. <laughs> Every day, right? The shepherd's worried it isn't you. It's a little bit of a different style of thinking, I think. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it is that these things tend to interact with with any time we try to to measure the intelligence uh, of of a Mm. dog. Uh, You know, part of what we're going to get is... um, is uh, are are some of these sort of personality factors. So, you know, uh, most retrievers have been very, very carefully bred to respond to humans and to human desires. So one of the things which a retriever really does is he looks at you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he looks at you all the time, and he's basically trying to get information from you. Well, you know, I had a Cairn Terrier who used to look at me, but, you know, it was, it was such a strange thing that people used to comment all the time. How did you get that dog to look at yeah, you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these things all do tend to, to, uh, to interact with, with our measures. So, and as you said, you know, you can, you can in fact, uh, pretty much train every dog to do pretty near everything we want all dogs to do. We have a gal not far from Vancouver, who actually put a utility degree, which is the highest of the obedience degrees, on an Afghan hound. Now, well, you it, know, and there's, um, is it Ian Dunbar? No, it's uh, David Fry. One of them has a bone to pick with you about this. Oh, it's David Fry, isn't it? One of them is really into Afghans and is always trying to get me to tell you that some latest trick their dog has done. And I keep saying I will, but then I forget. See, I've, I've got an Afghan brain. Oh, well. <laughs> well, just now, just remember that that you know Afghan hounds do have an adapt a, a, an instinctive intelligence. 
I mean, yes. they're sight hounds. They're designed to run down antelope and gazelle. And if you've ever seen them in, a, in, in something like a lure coursing uh, right. a competition, I mean, uh, they run like the wind and they, they seem to defy gravity. I mean, that's what they were designed to do. They weren't designed to be, you know, city dogs that, that, that pay attention to people. On the other hand, the Afghan hound is arguably one of the most beautiful dogs in dogdom. Oh, absolutely. And, and every single year, People magazine puts out a special issue on the 50 most beautiful people in the world. They have never put out a, uh, an issue on the 50 smartest people in the world. So, so tell yeah. me that society really, really values. Wow, that was a great show. And the time flew by, and we just, we just have to come back and do another one. So I'm going to end the show right here, right now. But don't worry, if you're hooked and you want to hear more about the intelligence of dogs and you want to hear more about Stanley Corrin, then you've definitely got to tune into the next part of this show. It's a two-parter. And we will tell you more about Tiny, the dog who held the record in Victorian times for killing rats. We will tell you more about that right at the start of the next show. So come back to the party. The party's an all-nighter. Come back to the party on show two. It'll be episode four. Tune in. And listen to the rest of this show on the intelligence of dogs with Dr. Stanley Corrin, professor from UBC. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Be good to your pets. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.